One thing we've all learned through this coronavirus pandemic is that actions and messages have consequences. Most obviously, the shelter-at-home guidelines designed to prevent the spread of the infection has other unintended consequences that negatively affect some market sectors like restaurants and brick-and-mortar shopping, and positively affects other businesses like groceries and Amazon and Netflix. Likewise, Christianity needs to look at its own messaging when it talks about the gospel and why people should follow Jesus because those messages may have unintended and undesirable consequences on our thoughts and our behaviors. Hello, I'm Dale Gentry, and welcome to the Disciple Science Podcast. I'm an ecologist and a professor of biology and a Christian. I find great joy and harmony in my life exploring science, studying birds, and in following Jesus. I help start Disciple Science to produce short videos and other resources to show how integrating science and Christian faith can inspire a fuller knowledge of God. I'm glad you're here to join me and occasional guests as we explore the intersection of science and Christian faith. Now, let's get on with the podcast. I'm glad you're here with me today. I am, as probably all of you are, at home and continue to be at home and actually recording in my basement, uh, sitting at my tool bench, trying to find a little peace and quiet. So if you hear some some family noises, some creaking or maybe a few shrieks, uh, uh, welcome to the Gentry House. Um, I'm going to just um, plug along and hope that it's not too distracting and, uh, and hopefully we'll get something done here. So if you were with us last week, you know that we started uh, exploring this topic of the Christian message, the gospel, and God's creation and how those things intersect. And we talked about why Christians are among the least engaged social groups when it comes to environmental care or creation care or environmental stewardship, whatever uh, vocabulary you want to assign to those topics. And if I can just sort of summarize to make sure we're all at the same place, uh, I, I argue that there are, there are reasons, um, some might call them excuses, but there are reasons why Christians aren't terribly engaged with the environment, and they include things like politics and economics and not wanting to be associated with people that are somehow acting unchristlike because of idolatry or devaluing human life. And those are all reasons, you know, not to do something, but uh, I don't think they should override the messages in Scripture that we should do something, right? So we shouldn't let uh, these other factors or other influences override biblical teaching that says creation is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, uh, and that you are called to tend and watch over it. And so while there are some reasons, and there aren't many good theological reasons, and as Christians who claim to seek first the kingdom of God, we, and, and this includes, this is a big we, the we that includes me, sometimes get caught up seeking a lot of other things first. So the closest reason that I've encountered to being legitimate, and the one that I actually hear the most, and so which is why it's the one that we focus on in the video, is just that caring for creation is going to distract us from what Christianity is all about. It's going to distract us from sharing the gospel. Right? So and I 
if that is the case, then we need to figure out what is the gospel and why is it that taking care of the environment is separate from that or or distinct from that, right? So what is the Christian message and uh, why, why, why do people feel like those are conflicting messages? So we really need to um, unpack this very critical question. What is the gospel message? Why, why are we Christians? Why do we follow Jesus? What's the good news that we're pursuing? Because if we get that wrong, or if we even just communicate it in a way that creates some unintended consequences, then we need to reconsider the way we think and talk about our, our existence and why we follow Jesus. Because if we tell people we follow Jesus for one reason, and that causes them to go down a wrong path in another way, then perhaps we need to consider our message, right? So um, related to this, I need to, I need to tell a story from uh, my first day of teaching, uh, where I currently work at uh, Conservative Christian University, University of Northwestern St. Paul, uh, which is you know, a little Christian college in the suburbs in the Twin Cities. Uh, and I teach environmental science, among other courses. And this is my first day of class. This is 7.50 in the morning uh, in the fall semester, my first, my first day of teaching at this university. So I'm, I'm nervous and apprehensive and, you know, hoping that it goes well. And so after taking the obligatory attendance and syllabus and, uh, you know, introductions to myself and, and trying to get the student name pronunciation correct, all that stuff, we get started with this activity. And this is an activity that I learned from my previous life working um, in Wyoming at the Teton Science Schools in Grand Teton National Park, where, um, you know, if you ever have a student group that isn't really into sharing their opinions, then um, you would implement this, this thing called take a stand. And basically you designate one end of the room as the true end of the room and the other end of the room as the false sense of the room. Uh, and then you just make some statements, right? Like, uh, I like um, cream cheese. And then if you think, if that's a true statement, you go to the true end. And if you, that's a false statement, you go to the false end. Or if you're kind of in the middle, then you can waffle in the middle and, and kind of stand in between the two ends. So again, by making everybody stand up, you force their opinions out of them. So I usually um, start with a few different questions that get students thinking about um, environmental science from the perspective of a Christian worldview, like uh, litter is a matter of morals, right? Is it immoral to um, improperly dispose of your garbage? And that usually creates some interesting discussion. And uh, I would say something like, you know, we should take action to address climate change. And that would split the room. Some people would say, yes, absolutely. And other people say, no, it's crazy. It's a hoax or whatever. You know, it's um, especially in a Christian, conservative Christian college, that's a, always an interesting debate. Now, I always end with the statement, God wants humans to take care of the environment. And I, I do that because I usually get a, a unanimous migration to the true end of the classroom. And I do that, again, I'm, I'm giving away all my secrets of how I manipulate my students, right? So I, I try and get everybody to agree to that. And then I say, all right, here we are, first day of class. We're all agreeing that this is what God wants us to do. And we're going to spend the rest of the semester, rest of the semester figuring out how to do it. Because scripture doesn't really tell us the, the processes that we should undergo to take care of creation. So that's what I intended would happen on that first day, but I had a couple students that went to the other end of the 
of the room, right? So most of them agreed that, yes, God wants us to take care of the environment, but a few people um, said otherwise. And I always, you know, invite people to share their opinions, why they're standing, where they're staring, initiate a little discussion, help people get comfortable talking in class. And the student says, and I remember it vividly, this is almost exactly 10 years ago, he said, why would we protect the environment if it's all just going to burn? And if that doesn't sound familiar to you, then chances are uh, either maybe you're new to Christianity or you just haven't explored it in very much detail. But this is this um, theology. I, th- I think it's the wrong perspective, this belief that that when Jesus returns someday, that God is going to lay waste to the earth. Uh, everybody that follows Jesus is going to be ushered away into heaven and the earth will will die in in a in a burning ball of gas, and that's that's the the fate of the earth, right? And so, that's that's his conclusion, and it's not one that he holds uh, uniquely. There are many other people that believe. What's the point of taking care of something if it's going to burn, uh, right? It's like why why grease the wheels on a on a car that you're going to take to the scrap heap, or uh, what, what's the that phrase? Why why polish the brass on the Titanic, right? So. Um, uh, so is that good theology? Is that what Christians actually believe? And if not, um, where did that idea come from? And I think we can trace it to uh, the way we talk about the Christian gospel. And so this debate about what the message of the gospel is, is, is actually one that's been um, uh, going on for quite a while, and I think it's become a more vocal debate in the past 20 or 30 years. Um, uh, in fact, N.T. Wright, um, Tom Wright, who's one of the most renowned theologians and one of, uh, in one of his most well-known books, uh, a book called Surprised by Hope, uh, which I will recommend and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, uh, is basically explicitly on this topic. What is the gospel? And basically, what does it give us hope for? Right? So implied in this message uh, is that uh, why would we take care of the environment if it's all going to burn? That, that there's basically no hope for the world, that we should just start planning for the next world, which is heaven, and that's where we're going to spend eternity, right? So again, I believe that's the wrong approach. I believe that's bad theology um, for more reason than one. But we need to recognize that there is this fundamental disagreement among Christians about the core purposes of Christianity and what our message is. What should we tell people when we are going to share the gospel? Okay, so let, let me just give you a, another story from my childhood, um, or at least maybe not a story, but just the gospel as I understood it as a child, and I suspect it's going to sound familiar to many of you, uh, that basically, you know, that, that the Christian message is about where you go when you die. Uh, and, and, and even if you are, haven't been engaged in Christian culture, you're probably aware of that just because of uh, media uses it as a, as a trope for our eternal destiny, right? You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Um, I was told as a child, you know, when the, the gospel was simplified for me in basically five, five phrases that are all rooted in scripture. And, and we'll see where these ideas come from that, that, that life is not about taking care of this physical uh, world. Okay, the first message is that God created humans in his image to rule the world. 
Okay, so we are God's image bearers and God loves us and, and created us. Second message is that all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? So we are all sinners and none of us successfully lived up to the designation of, of God's image bearers. Um, and then the third message is that the wages of sin is death. Uh, this is in, in Romans, and it says that, right, if you're a sinner, then you are destined to, to death. And remember, the previous one is that we're all sinners. We all have fallen. And then the message, uh, and, I, and again, I think some of this is actually tied to good old John 3.16, uh, right, that Jesus came to die for us. So, you know, uh, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. And that, that is translated into um, whoever believes in heaven or whoever believes in Jesus will get whisked off to heaven when they die. And that that is, that is the gospel. And because we love to plaster John 3.16 all over billboards and on, you know, football players, uh, um, I eye black and shoes and whatnot, um, any number of different things. So, so then the, the, uh, the end of the gospel message then is that if we follow Jesus, we will, uh, live forever and spend eternity in heaven. Sorry, my phone just beeped and tweeted at me here. So I'm going to turn that down. Um, so, there's, there's the gospel, right? That we're all sinners and that because of our sin, we are destined to die, uh, but that Jesus came to die for us and take our place. And that if we choose to follow him, then, then when we experience physical death, then we will live eternally uh, in heaven. What's the message in that, right? That, that all sounds wonderful. That all sounds good. Many of us probably encountered that story when we, if you were raised in the Christian church, you might have encountered that story um, just last weekend uh, in, a, in a church message that you probably got over the, over the internet or Zoom or, what, or YouTube or whatever. There's nothing fundamentally flawed in that message, right? I'm not saying that it's wrong, but what are the unintended consequences of that, of the way we talk about that message? And, and I, I might say that it's, it's not wrong, but I don't, also don't think that it gets it quite right. right? So there's a difference between being something wrong and, and not getting it right. So I don't think that message gets it right, even though I don't think it is quite, I don't think it's a, the wrong story. So that that impression of the gospel that I encountered as a child and that I suspect many of you encountered as a child because, again, N.T. Wright and actually many, many other theologians have written books to try and pick that apart and say, this is not what Christianity is all about. Let's talk about what it is. Um, and as a child, it never quite sat right with me. I didn't quite, couldn't make peace with it uh, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one is that in the Gospels, Jesus just keeps talking over and over about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is here as something present uh, and not just something in the future. So he doesn't say, you know, that the kingdom of heaven is within your grasp when you die. He said the kingdom of heaven is here and the kingdom of God is now. And quite honestly, as a, as a kid that just sort of went along with the flow, I just assumed that if I understood the Bible well enough, I would recognize that what he is saying there is that we have the capacity to go to heaven when we die if we follow him. That that was the message, and it was just sort of a veiled message. I now 
don't think that's what he was saying. I think that's, that is a, is a misunderstanding of, of Jesus's message, right? So this idea that the Christian gospel is about going to heaven when, when we die just doesn't fit in with the life of Jesus because that's not what he said. He, his message was that we can experience the kingdom of God here and now. Now, the second thing that never quite set right with me is that this, um, I want to follow Jesus so I can go to heaven when I die, it seemed like it was just a selfish motive. And that was so incompatible with the selfless version of love that we see from the life of Jesus. He preached selfless love. It didn't make sense to me that my primary reason for following him was a selfish one to save myself. Uh, to save myself from, you know, some eternal uh, um, agony. So when I picked up the book Surprised by Hope, I had some questions and and was interested in this issue, and it only took me about the first five pages until my mind just exploded. And I realized that uh, what I, I, I know, I believe I'm following along here. Some of you I know may disagree with him and that, that N.T. Wright is controversial in some, some circles, even though I think he's brilliant. That the, the message that we have um, conveyed, that what Christianity is all about, is one that might have been a little bit flawed, right? Not that going to heaven when you die is not going to happen. It's just that that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about not the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, right? It's that new creation can be experienced here and now. People often describe it as the now and the not yet. So there is a future new creation in which there will be no pain and suffering, but even now in the midst of current pain and suffering, we can experience a little bit of new creation when when we follow God. And so, Surprised by Hope uh, by N.T. Wright addresses those two questions, right? What is, the, what is the ultimate Christian hope? Is it to go to heaven or is it something else? And is there any hope for our physical bodies and the environment and, and cre- the rest of creation? And Wright observed that Christianity has separated those into two different questions, right? What, what, is, the, what is the Christian hope for, my, for myself, for my soul, and what is and is there hope for, for my body and the rest of creation? And he said those, those are the same question, that the ultimate Christian hope and the hope that we have for our bodies and the environment are the same thing, and that Jesus is the solution to both of those, both of those questions. So he pushes back against the view from the corners of Christianity tied to Gnosticism, which is this um, ancient idea that the created world is at best irrelevant, and at worst is this dark, evil, gloomy place that God intends to, um, to get rid of. Uh, and because what matters is spiritual and what is physical is insignificant or maybe even evil. So he pushes back against that view that our destiny is to ex- exist in a spiritual place and that the earth will pass away. And that's exactly the view that my student had, right? He said, why should we protect the environment it's all going to burn. He was rooted in this idea that the physical world is essentially meaningless, is eternally meaningless, and what actually matters is the, is the, the spiritual world. And so the resolution here is that 
Um, we just need to read our Bibles. Uh, it's that simple. And if we read our Bibles, then we will find that rather than tying ourselves to the view that the greatest desire is to be whisked away from the earth, we will find a story uh, from beginning to end, from the first chapter of Genesis to the end of Revelation, that talks about the unification of heaven and earth. Uh, and again, this is this comes from, from Wright and a number of other pastors. I'm not going to um, tease the whole thing apart for you, but I want to give you just a taste of this. If this is new to you, I hope it isn't. You might be really questioning um, my faith, but let me just give you a little sense of where this comes from. Um, uh, from for example, if we read the Lord's Prayer, right? It says, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." It's bringing heaven to earth. It's not saying help me get to heaven. It's saying, how can we make earth more like heaven? How can we bring heaven down? If we read in Romans 8, it talks about creation groaning in its um, having to be subjected to the pains of poor uh, management by us, uh, but that it is looking forward to a time of liberation from its bondage to suffering when it will be uh, back into its full glory, right? So creation will ha- has part of long God's long-term plan. Again, Jesus preaching the kingdom of God is here, that following him changes our current existence and our future. But he spoke very, very little about our future existence. He mostly talked about our current existence, about participating in the kingdom project now. Uh, right? And I think if we read uh, all of Paul's uh, letters, he's steeped in this theology. And if and if we read Revelation, right, the last chapters of Revelation, it it ends with the reunification of heaven and earth. Uh, in this, in the same way that the Bible started in in the Garden of Eden, with the unification of heaven and earth, where God was present uh, with humans, that God's space overlapped with human space, and that that's w- the way the world is going to end. Right. So the po- the point here is that this earth that we inhabit and our physical bodies will be part of our eternal destiny, and. Uh, we can't make sense out of exactly what that means or how it's going to work. Christianity is not about practical answers of, well, this is how your body is going to, you know, come back together, or is it going to be our young body or our old body or our body that's, you know, missing a kidney or whatever that we experience in this life. I can't answer any of those questions for you. Nobody can with a straight face. That's not what it's about. The, the point is that we have hope that through Jesus, uh, that our physical bodies and this earth will be released from bondage to decay and that new creation will be a, the end of both the current heavens and the current earth and they'll be reunited to one. Right, so the, the Bible is one big long narrative and that's what we tried to cover in this video in the video that God created the humans and assigned them stewardship we blew it over and over and we couldn't fill that position based on our own willpower. At the end of the Old Testament, there's just no resolution. The, the problem that God wants to rule with us is still a problem and, and we don't have any good solution until Jesus comes along and Jesus came to redeem us 
And we call that salvation, right? Salvation is not saved from the earth. It's saved from the bondage to sin, saved into the kingdom of God that we can experience today. So it's not just salvation so that we can be saved from this failing earth. It's saved so that we can be saved from from our sin, not from this place. And that participation in the kingdom of God means we are able to take up our reins as we did on page one, to act as bearers of God's image, to act like Jesus in the way we interface with each other and with God and with God's creation. Right? So the gospel message is not about environmental stewardship. It's about being empowered by Jesus through the Spirit to love what God loves, to care for what God cares for. So it's the environment, it's your neighbor, it's your enemy, it's how you relate to God, and it's everything, right? Salvation heals your relationship with God, with your neighbor, and with creation. So environmental stewardship should pour out of us as a result of our salvation, as a result of, our, of us committing our lives to Jesus. So instead of the environment being ignored by us because we're so focused on our eternity in heaven, we should share the message that following Jesus can transform us through the Spirit to act on God's behalf once again as we relate to God's creation, to our neighbors, and to God. So to wrap it all up, as Christians, we need to think about our message We need to think about not only what are we conveying the right message, but what are the implications of that message? And if we tell people that we follow Jesus so that we can go to heaven when we die, that might result in people ignoring their existence while they live. And instead, I think we need to share the true gospel, the full gospel, that when we follow Jesus, we get to be participants in the kingdom of God. We get to experience just a little taste of what the future new creation will be like when Jesus empowers us to love in the way that God loves, that we can show people that are in need of grace and kindness. We can go and reach out to them and spread the good news, the full good news, and spread the grace of God. And that will transform the way we think about creation, about our neighbor, and about our lives. Thanks for listening to the Disciple Science Podcast. We believe that integrating science and Christian faith can inspire a fuller knowledge of God. We are a nonprofit and we are fully crowdfunded, so everything we do is dependent on your generous support. Your donations will help us produce upcoming videos, the podcast, and maintaining the website and uh, the blog, everything we do. If you want to help make that happen, you can give by visiting the website and donating through our support portal there. Or coming soon, we'll have an opportunity to give on our Facebook page as well. While you're on the website, make sure you explore the rest of our resources, sign up for a newsletter, send us feedback about what you want to hear more about in the future, send us feedback about the videos and the podcast. We would love to interact with you and get your questions answered uh, in a future podcast episode. If you uh, want to help, but the coronavirus pandemic has left you strapped, we would also appreciate if you would um, rate 
and share our videos and the podcast. Uh, liking and commenting uh, does magic for the algorithms um, in on YouTube and Instagram and everywhere else. Or you can just tell your friends about Disciple Science. I want to thank Kayla Davis for producing this episode and for composing our theme music. I'm Dale. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week.